If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey y'all, this is Dr. Erica and guess what? We are back with another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. What's up, Better Nation? So guess what? This episode discusses the power of hope and what happens when you don't tell yourself no. I have a uncle that used to always say, never tell yourself no. It's a great lesson. Now my guest for this episode is Trent McIntyre. And he has been helping people gain back their mobility for more than two decades. Yes, I said it, two decades. Now, you might be wondering what questions this episode will answer. Well, here you go. Number one, what is a movement gap? Number two, what are some strategies to push through what others tell you are limitations? Number three, what are some key questions to consider with your wellness team, especially when trying to assess your progress? Whether you have mobility issues, have struggled with being told what you can't do, or are working for ways to harness hope, there is something in this episode for you. So stay tuned, lean in, and listen to the episode. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey, Better Nation. Welcome to this episode with Better with Dr. Erica, the hit podcast that, you know, I love it. So I hope you love it too. So I am really looking forward to the discussion I'm having today. You know, I try to bring some unique people to you so that you get to get inspiration from a variety of people. So today I have Trent McIntyre, and you're going to want to listen. I'd say lean all the way in, but I don't know what activity you're doing while you're listening. So whatever leaning in safely looks like, that's what you're going to want to do today. Now, I know I told you for season three and four that reading bios is not my ministry. And the one thing I can definitely say from just having read Trent's bio, because I think I, I t- even say my, my guest is Trent McIntyre, but you already heard it in the intro. Um, but the thing about it is his story is so intriguing that beyond the fact that I said reading bios isn't my ministry, the next thing is I'm not going to steal the thunder because this story is something to hear. So no one's going to be able to tell you better than Trent. So as I said before, my guest is Trent McIntyre. I'm going to say one sentence about him and then I'm going to let him take it away. So Trent has for more than two decades, two decades, long time, has been helping people gain back their mobility. And that's a story he knows well. Now I can't take credit for writing all that. That did come from his bio. So that is proof positive. I read it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I did read said bio, But his story is something really, really important. And in a day where there are so many struggles you're dealing with, 
I think this talks about something a little bit different. So Trent, can you share with the people a little bit more about yourself? Hi, sure. Yes. Thanks for having me here, by the way. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, where do you want me to start? Because it is quite a story. So, you know, um, can I give it some context maybe? And, yes. And, and then reverse engineer everybody to, to modern yes. day. Yes, right? I'm down. So, so yeah, I, I have spent about 25 years helping people with mobility and um, I have a, a brain-based approach that I have. And so what that means is just, just I've taken my own experiences with my own story and it became how I helped other people. And that's not too uncommon among its like in, uh, in and on mm-hmm. itself. However, um, I didn't know that I had any, any brain related injury until I was 19. And so oh, wow. I grew up um, with very limited range of motion, a lot of stiffness, a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. However, I didn't know that it was abnormal. I didn't know that how I felt was any different than anybody else felt because I didn't realize that I was so limited um, from a, because of a reason, but I, I played sports. I was athletic, I was fast, and I was just really good at compensating, even though I didn't have a lot of range of motion. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm also creative and I was able to, um, get into a dance class and getting into a dance class became therapeutic for me at first because I was so tight and had so much limitation and, because of that, it felt good and it was creative and I was athletic. So I kind of was able to put everything together into this really wonderful thing. And then I was like, well, I actually have some skill at this and I have some talent. And coming from a really small town of literally 300 people, the idea of going to college and kind of breaking away from that stereotype of sort of like staying in your small town was really appealing to me. Um, so I was going to do everything I could to go to college. And because I had this talent in dance, I got a scholarship and I was able to go to university and study dance. And uh, just a couple of years into that process, I woke up one morning and could barely walk to the shower. I I had so much pain from the knees down and so much inflammation that I was like, this might be it. Like it feels, this feels like massive injury. And um, I didn't understand it. Of course I was a college student, so I didn't, couldn't afford therapies or to go to the doctor. I haven't checked out. I didn't even, really crossed my mind because it wasn't an option for me. But I, it happened to be that um, I was home for Christmas and I was just kind of complaining to my mom. I was like, I don't get what's going on. Like, why, why from my knees down? Like, it hurts so much. It's so much inflammation. I don't get why I have so much restriction. And she said, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. And I was 19 and hearing this phrase that I didn't understand. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And, and wait, what? So you knew this and I didn't know this. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Oh, wow. So, so I was, I was mad at first because I felt like it was something that was hidden from me. However, in hindsight, it was really wonderful that I didn't have the label because um, I had a class one cerebral palsy. So the skinny of that is that you wouldn't know by looking at me, but I knew. And if you were to measure range of motion and look at different aspects of my movement quality, you'd be able to tell. But so I was like, oh, okay, so there's a reason for this. And I, I really don't want to stop dancing because I want to graduate. I want to keep my scholarship. I want to go on and do something with my life. And it just so happens that my training at, at the university included anatomy, kinesiology, and other movement therapies. And so I decided to just self-explore and I was able to rehab my own injury. And that was really the start of like my curiosity on how to overcome a limitation. At that point, I didn't know that I was going to be working with other people. So for 
for a couple of years, it was just for me, just to keep dancing, just to keep my body pain-free and healthy and moving. And then the, the chair of the department was like, hey, will you be the, the teaching assistant for my kinesiology class? And will you be my teaching assistant for this, this other uh, conditioning class? And I'm like, yeah. So then I had clients. I had students that were in classes that were my responsibility and was able to start playing with what I did for me and use it with them. So that really became like the, the initial launch of what's grown into a 25 year career in helping people. Wow. And I, I love how it's, it's amazing how many times I hear where people end up on a journey and then finding some type of purpose or action that is the solution to the problem that they didn't have. Yeah. 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 That it's, it's just amazing me how much that it's like you become the solution. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's one of the most beautiful things about um, going through an experience like this. And I, I think anybody who's faced with something like this, if you if you find it in yourself to be the solution and then choose to share the solution, there's a lot of inspiration in that because there's so many people. I know, I just in my in my work, I come across so many people that hear my story and say, "Well, if you could do it, then maybe I can do it." Or if that person that you help with that story can do it, maybe I can do it too, because they, they feel kind of hopeless and they're not sure if they're even good enough, if it's going to work for them, if they can do it themselves. And those, that, that story and connection to the work, no matter what the work is, is really helpful for people to see themselves in you to, to find a way in. Well, I'm just so excited to, to hear even more, but I'm, I'm inspired after um, y'all, we had, we're seven minutes and 35 minutes of recording in. It's probably a little <laughs> longer of what you've been listening to because you had an intro in my theme song. But I I am just so, so intrigued by the power of, of the human mind because it seems like there's so much that just that beginning of your story of, yeah. of really just powering through what were some physical limitations that you really couldn't explain or know that there was some dip determination or motivation within yourself that helped you push through what otherwise your body was trying to tell you was a limitation. It's almost like your body saying, I'm not going to move. And you're like, yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I didn't understand why it worked at the time. You know, I just, I just kept trying things. I kept journaling exercises that would help me exercises that made it feel worse. And I would keep the ones that worked and discard the ones that weren't working and I just kept playing around with it. And, and that became, you know, basically the foundation for how I problem solve. It's like, I'm going to, I'm committed to problem solving for my clients. So it's not about me already knowing the answer. It's that I'm going to hold a space so we can find the answer for people. And I think that's uh, a lesson to learn for anybody who's, who's really a problem solver that, you know, you don't have to have the answer. It's like coach other, other professionals too. It's like, but if you're the person in someone's life that's helping them solve a problem and you're willing to keep looking under the rug and in corners that maybe they can't explore themselves, it really becomes beautiful. So when, when I graduated college and then I started seeing clients, I had, you know, regular clientele that I was helping. Then it was like, well, what am I doing? Like, what is this thing that I'm doing and why does it work? And I'm in a, at at the time I was working in a Pilates studio because Pilates was a, was a really wonderful place to put my work because mm-hmm. it was probably the closest match to um, what I was doing and helping restore movement quality and having a method and a technique to it like Pilates does. 
Um, but I'm looking around at these 15 other teachers in the studio going, I don't really do what they do. You know, it's, it's, it's similar in the sense I'm using similar equipment, but what is it that's different? Why is what I'm doing different? And so that was really my first deep dive on trying to understand what was going on and why it was helping. And so about that time is when uh, literature was starting to be published, um, public literature on uh, brain science. And I thought, you know, based on what I'm doing, I really should know this stuff. This might be something that could really help me. And every book I picked up, I'm like, wait a minute, this, this is exactly what I'm doing. And for the first time, I had a vocabulary for it. I'm like, oh, the brain is plastic. Well, I know that because I had a pattern. I changed my pattern. And now I have a new pattern. And that's because the brain is plastic and it can be changed. So to find these, these books to give me a vocabulary around it, then made it made sense. And it allowed me to put it into a vehicle that I could share it with people that you could understand. You didn't just, it's not just something that I've made up. Like, oh, I have a special secret technique that I do, but it's actually just leveraging how our brains are designed and how they work to help people recover. Okay. So just to get a little clarity, because I know I've, I've read this big old bio and everybody yeah. out there probably has not um, read the big old bio so can you just give a little bit more clarity on on what what do you do? What are you helping people with? What is this brain brain body connection that you're referring to? Yeah. So what I what I really discovered is that um, when we think about movement and how we how we um, improve, we look at how strong our mo- muscles are, how flexible we are in our joints, uh, and we we're really focused on that category, whether no matter what technique you're doing, we're in the muscles and joints kind of category and the fascia and all the connected tissues. Um, But what was really a a difference maker is my discovery that your brain really is responsible for processing information through your senses. Well, there's two senses that live above the proprioception, the muscle category. So when you think, when you think about um, how the brain actually takes in information through our senses, um, that through the muscles and the soft tissue is like a a low level sensory input because your eyes and your vestibular system have a priority. So because we know our brains take in information through our senses, then we decide what to do about it. And then we take action based on that information. We know that if we can improve information through those senses, we can improve all of, all of our movements, all of our outcomes. And so when I started to incorporate more sensory training into my work is when I was able to change things for myself and then help other people because you have people that have been, you know, going to every kind of therapy and they've been in PT and they've had surgeries, they've done this and that, but they're not getting better. And the deficit actually ends up living in their eyes. And it's really kind of challenging at first for people to think about like, what, like, what about my eyes that could have such an influence on my movement? And it isn't about acuity or how well you can see clearly. So having glasses helps you see clearly or wearing contacts help you see clearly. But it's actually the ability for your eyes to track movement or your ability for your eyes to hold still while your head is moving. And so when you improve those skills, then you get better information to the brain. And so that's what I've done is I've, I've combined that sensory training piece into movement. So that we're really talking to the brain, like what language does the brain speak? It's through the senses. So we got to talk the language that the brain understands. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much. And one of the things I hear a lot um, going on in this conversation too of what you do is that it, it amazes me that there's this, this moment 
um, where I, I feel like there's this undertone of this self-talk that happens during these processes where you're switching over and helping people through this space of, of doubt or questioning what their body can do to help start having more positive self-talk around what they can do. Is that, is that what happens or did I make that up in my head? No, no, that, that is what happens. You know, quite, quite honestly, you know, if you, if you've been everywhere and seen everybody, you know, that's that, those are the clients that I see so often. I usually take on the the most complicated situations. They've, they've seen every kind of professional you can think of and they're still seeing some of them because they're helpful, but something isn't quite working. And so they, they still, they get doubt and they don't believe that they can get better. And they, they have that narrative that's going through their head that, that becomes like stronger. Um, And then when you can give them hope, and they can see that it's possible and you can give them an, another path to consider. Uh, it's really beautiful. And it, it creates a whole shift for them to consider. And it doesn't mean that everything's fixed in one appointment, but it's, it's that you can switch the train tracks and they go, Oh, I could go down this path. And they start to consider uh, a different narrative that they've, than they maybe have considered before. Okay. And, and I want, I want to pause for, for the people briefly. Um, I realize we've, there we all say PT all the time. Most people know what it is, but in case you don't know, PT stands for physical therapy. Yeah. Um, the, the next thing is, you know, I, my audience is aware of, I talk a lot about the better seven, these seven essential areas that are very important to be better, do better and live better. And, and one actually is self-talk. And one of the things that you talked about so, so much in this last um, segment is, is this power of being able to shift this paradigm to, believing that you can get better and having hope along with the fact that um, for a lot of people we deal with because there's so many different things that bring in people to different environments that eventually impact their health and wellness. And one of the reasons a lot of you hear me talk about a wellness team is sometimes it, sometimes it takes a team of people to get you where you need to go. But the thing that to me that sometimes is lost is the fact that sometimes it takes creative solutions. Yeah. And, and you have to find the right pile of creativity because you are a human being and every human being isn't the same. So that's one of the reasons probably if, if you start knowing some of my, my super friends, um, I have quite a few that we all wear a lot of different hats, but almost everyone is in some way a creative. So in, in a lot of ways, I'm not shocked that you were able to connect and come up with an innovative solution. Because from what I read in your bio, especially about your background in dance and other creative things, is that as a creative, there are so many different ways to harness that creativity. Yeah. And I I think that that's what what can um, help inspire people because you're presenting an idea that they haven't seen before. And it it does present, for me, I think my my interpretation of their experience is that... um, like well if if i've never thought of that nobody else has ever thought of that what else is possible like what else can we can we explore and find and i you know either i make a promise to everybody that i work with one of three things is going to happen you're going to get better you're going to get worse you're going to stay the same i promise (laughs) and and i say this because there's so much expectation placed on the professional to be the fixer and i really believe in empowering the the individual to be a part of that journey because if they're not, they're not going to rewire their brain anyway. They're not going to really have a new pattern because they're not going to have been a part of the process. And 
um, you know, I, I just I just started working with a new person last week, and um, she's done so much work herself that it was so easy to start working with her because she's she has a team, and I love it when people have a wellness team because it makes it makes working with them such a pleasure because mm-hmm. they have done the work in so many corners of their life that when they come in, they have so much really great contribution to share. So I love that you said a wellness team because I'm an advocate of that, and I, I don't want to be the only one on your team. That's that's not sufficient. You need to have a team so that you have the ability to um, sort of consider what's going on for you right now and where on your team does that solution maybe live and who's going to help you solve it. And I also love that you brought up, and this is something that I found, and we actually had a conversation, there was a couple of episodes ago um, with Tanya Cole Lesnick, and we were talking about this expectation that some people have when they come to therapy or see a mental health professional, that they're going to see them once and everything's going to be cured. Like you just mentioned, like it's not going to be fixed in one session. And, and I love that you highlighted that, that, you know, you can have the best intervention in the world for almost anything. A lot of times it doesn't get fixed immediately because it didn't take, it didn't take one hour, two hours, 30 minutes for you to get here. Yeah. So a lot of times it doesn't take 30 hour, 30, 30 minutes, one hour, two hours to fix it. And there are so many different disciplines and I I love that you're talking about kind of how you're harnessing the neuroplasticity of the brain. It's one of the things I actually love about affirmations and self-talk is that those are things that really harness that neuroplasticity. Um, But just the fact that, you know, and I, I, I love that we're starting to get to a space that as people that work with people to help them heal, that to start having these conversations on the front end to help people manage their expectations. Cause sometimes I think it's really easy after all of this training that people see someone and they assume they know what they're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, you did the best you could, but you didn't meet their expectations. They're like, well, it didn't work. And it's like, eh, you know, it, it may not be that it didn't work. It just, this process doesn't work. Yeah, I, I I really encourage a conversation with whatever whatever professional you're working with that that is, um, and if you're a professional, I would definitely want you to ask these questions. But um, get to the bottom of of really what's at stake for you, and if the person you're working with can get on board with with really what's at stake and what you've done so far, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and why. Because if you can consider those questions and actually talk through the answers, you'll have uh, better prepared yourself for being open to what might be next instead of just expecting someone to fix you. It's like, well, what have you done? What has worked? What hasn't worked? What can we build on? You know, what's going to be a dead end for you right now? And, and finding a finding a way for, to build that relationship and trust. Because the other thing for me is that I think most of us also have that internal voice and that narrative that we're a lot weaker than we really are. And we're more fragile than we really are. And I know for me, when my youngest was born, uh, she was a C-section and I watched the whole thing happen. And this that's when I had the light bulb. I was like, we are just not fragile. We, As humans, we are not fragile. If they can do that, I'll save the details, but if they can do that to a little baby and that was a successful, safe birth, we are just not that fragile. We believe we are. And in certain parts, we have weakness, of course. So we have to shore up. But I find that you might have weakness over here, but across Across your brain, you've got some strengths that you can really rely on and you can build some trust in yourself so that you can go fill in those weaknesses and not feel like everything is weak just because one thing is weak. That is so well said. 
And I'm definitely a, a fan of helping people identify their strengths because sometimes I think people forget what they're actually good at. <laughs> I, I've yeah. literally, I've had times um, where I've, I've sat and I was sitting with a patient and I asked him, I asked them, what are you good at? And they just look at me like a deer in the headlights and you could like hear an entire pile of pins drop. Yeah. And it saddens me to think when people get in these spaces and they forget all of the great things about themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I also, I find that the the one statement that I say to, to clients that really helps to illuminate where they're at and thinking about that issue is I'll, I'll say something like, you know, you have so much potential and they're like, Oh, please. I I'm old. I don't have any potential. And that's, that's the common narrative about potential that goes around is that, well, just because you're, you're over 30, over 40, over 50, over 60, that somehow that means you don't have potential. And, but we know that's not true. We know the brain is plastic. We know we can change habits. We can change patterns. We can change your life. And so that means you have potential. And I think because people have that narrative of not believing that they have potential, it works against them. And so I, I, I hope that people, when I'm working with them, if I can just get them a little bit to believe, like, look, that's possible. And if that's possible, this also might be possible. And what if this is also possible? And we can get some momentum of believing that there's potential there. Can the choir say amen? <laughs> Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. So hey, Better Nation, you know me, I'm Dr. Erica. Now, I recently gave a keynote called Be Better, Do Better, Lead Better, Improving Capacity for Work-Life Integration and Innovation for the Massachusetts League of Community Health Centers. Yeah, that's a lot of words. And guess what? The crowd was phenomenal. And for the next three days, people kept coming up to me telling me how amazing the talk was and how it touched them. They were even telling me things like, I'm calling my wife and telling her I'm not doing laundry anymore. It was so energizing and totally adorable. Now, this isn't about me telling you how great I am, but it's about having a moment to talk about how it feels when you are living and moving in your purpose. The key to this was giving this talk was so energizing and it's continued to fill my tank for days. What does that mean? Sometimes, you know, you go to work and you start with one level of energy and when it's over it is drained i want you to think about what activities fill your tank and are energizing you know how we talk about being open honest with yourself and having self-awareness this is one of those moments as you realize what are those things that actually give you energy instead of drain energy i want you to do more of that oh and if you want to hear more of my amazing talks in person <laughs> I am available to be booked for speaking. You know how to find my website. <laughs> now let's do our best to be better, do better, and live better together. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. All right. So um, I also noticed that you, you've mentioned before, not necessarily yet, but I'm going to mention it because I feel like it's something that the people need to hear about. Sure. Um, what is the movement gap? Yeah. So, you know, I, I love and work with a lot of great physical therapists and medical professionals. Um, so I want to make this really clear. This isn't a weakness on their part. It's a weakness in our system and how we care for humans. Um, and what happens is you, you have an issue and you go and you see your doctor and you go through the medical system and it takes you so far. And when you're done with your physical therapy, you're done with whatever 
support you have. Um, you're not quite ready for your, your regular activities. You haven't restored what you've lost. You're not back to where you want to be. And that's what I call the movement gap. You fall into this gap where you, you, there you sit, like you can't do the thing you want to do, but you're done with the support from that medical component. But that medical piece isn't designed to get you all the way across the finish line. And that's really where these wellness professionals come in. That's why having a team is so important because that's who, who can fill in that gap for you so that you can understand and be empowered to find the team yourself. And it might be, you know, it's going to be outside of the medical system entirely um, to, to pull it together so you can come out of that gap. So you're not just in there going, man, you know, I'm here, I am stuck. I've done everything right. I, everything I was supposed to do. And I'm still not able to then lift my grandkids or I can't run again, or I can't run my bike again, or I can't go for a long walks without pain or whatever it might be. That makes sense. And, and as a, a trained medical professional, I can honestly say a lot of the frustration I have is actually what is actually covered with insurance. Oh, because, of course. Because there are times where I'm like, are you getting physical therapy? And, and my patients is like, no, they wouldn't approve it. And then I'm like, have you ever tried acupuncture? No, they don't cover that. You know, exactly. and it's like there are all these different things yeah. because I think one of the things that's just difficult is traditional Western medicine is not great with pain. Yeah. Um, and there are just so many other ways to ha help with pain management um, that a lot of folks just don't have access to because it's not traditionally always covered or people will cover a couple sessions and it's like, well, they need more than that. But that always makes, oh, yeah. me, makes me sad when it's like someone and it's like, like, that's all the PT they gave you. That's all they will yeah. pay for. Yes. Or that's all the therapy they'll give you, or that's all they'll give you for counseling. That's all they give you for occupational therapy, whatever it is. So the professionals are over there doing a great job. They're, they're skilled, they're educated, but they're not deciding on your care. And because the professional isn't making the decision on your care, you don't get the care that you need. And that's really the, the gap. That's why you fall into that gap, because you don't have a lot of the professionals that you're seeing having the control over what your care really looks like. It's challenging and it's, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, if you depend on that, if you, if you think, well, I'm doing everything right and I'm supposed to do what my doctor said to do. Yeah, you are. And also I don't control what your insurance does for you either, you know? And so that's, it's really, that's really painful for people. I, I, I can empathize with that. Well, and I definitely can. Cause I can think of all the bills I got from stuff. Yeah. Like me personally, um, I'll share. I um, once was um, assaulted by a patient. Um, young person had severe autism and stuff. It was a fluke of all the other systems failing. Um, but I had a, a soft tissue injury to my wrist. Then I get this huge bill because when they billed it out, the therapy I got for my wrist was billed out as OT, not PT. Mm -hmm. The insurance said they would cover PT. They weren't covering OT. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the person, ironically, that restored my range of movement was my chiropractor. Right, right. <laughs> Who I pay cash. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you, thank goodness you had the, the wherewithal to think about finding another person on your team to pull you out of that space because you need that risk. You know, you, you need to have that support. It's, and I, I think the frustration is, is how many people don't have extra money sitting around yeah. to pay for these people or don't know folks because the, the one blessing of being a doctor is 
I'm one or two calls away from pretty much anything. I can call yeah. someone I know and say, do you know somebody? My phone actually rings frequently of there are people actually waiting on messages back. Like, do you, do you know a therapist is such and such somebody that does this here or, yeah. you know, but I, I think the, what I would love to see is eventually we have healthcare access in a way that you don't have to know some secret way to maneuver yeah. through the system that yes. anybody should be able to maneuver the, through the system. And I think that's one of the hugest gaps we have right now is a lot of times to get quality care, you have to know some type of finagle. Yeah, I, I know when my, my oldest, um, she's a volleyball player and she broke her ankle uh, during a match. Well, within 10 minutes, I'm on the phone and I've got three pros lined up at the top of their field, a half an hour away and who are connected to each other. And I'm like, who has this? I, I do because I'm referring people all the mm -hmm. time. So I know who to call, but you're not going to look up on the internet and find these people. And you're not going to get in because I had a friend that I could call and say, hey, can you get me in? Because I know if we don't get this taken care of now, she's not going to play this season. She'll be out. So if we can get her in now, we get the care she needs. She'll be back on the court in mm -hmm. six or eight weeks, which is what we're looking for, which is what happened. And that's such an exception. And we're, we're so aware of that being an exception. And that's really tragic for a lot of people that don't, don't have those connections. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. And it's also something that I think the more people can do themselves in their own um, daily activities and raise their awareness in terms of like whatever movement they're doing or meditation or whatever wellness activities so that they can even just have small drips of contribution to their wellness that isn't just dependent on what their insurance will pay. Um, free, free things, you know, things that are simple and low cost for sure. That is so true. And I, I love what you're talking about because I have a lot of friends that one of my, one of my close business besties is also, she's big into meditation and mindfulness, but also mm -hmm. like yourself, actually, she used to be a professional dancer. So she's really okay. big into movement as medicine, but I, I love that we're having, even though we're talking about some specific ways to kind of work on movement deficits is that it's important to keep in mind how important movement is to our body. Yeah. That even there's a lot of movement that actually ends up being meditative. It's probably one of the reasons why so many people love running, not the kid. I hate it. It does not bring me one lick of joy right. except when I finish, but right. the actual act of running, you're never going to look up and say, Dr. Erica, is excited about running. I'll be like, no, just put me on my Peloton. Right. I was like, right. get to running. You know, yeah. if I get a tread, yeah. it's just going to be to look at, look at Adrian. <laughs> um, I, I will, I will keep it real, but just the amount of, of healing we do by having some sort of movement and the great thing. And part of the reason I wanted to have some of this conversation is, is number one, not necessarily accepting that if you have movement difficulties, range of movement difficulties, pain with movement difficulties, of accepting that is the best it's going to get. Yeah. Um, but the second is, is how much it can help your body actually have movement and range of motion. And there's some people like my best friend, even when we were young, it doesn't matter what size she is. It doesn't matter if she's worked out in a week or three years. Yeah. Right. She can do a split. She's always been ridiculously flexible. Right. I, I have to work out five days a week to touch my toes consistently. I right. am not naturally flexible. That is that is not my ministry. I was the kid that dropped out of tumbling 
Cause I was like, my mother, she doesn't let me quit stuff, but she, she was like, no, this is just torture for my baby. <laughs> this is uh, cause I'm just not that naturally flexible. So I have to work out any, any bit of flexibility, but all of that just to say is so many people come into my office and you might be like, well, how do you even see any of this stuff? Dr. Erica, you're a psychiatrist and people are talking to you about their feelings. Well, it's all the stuff that comes with the feelings. It's the people that are, they're, they're miserable because their back hurts all the time or mm. they want to do things with their family, but they don't feel well, or they, they want to go do things, but they can't walk far enough to do anything and don't have enough upper body strength to use an assistive de device. You know, the person who has a lot of joint pain partially because of the weight they're carrying, but they don't have enough flexibility and range of mo movement to feel like they can comfortably exercise. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it kind of gets in all these little weird crevices and then the doubt people have, or just that self-talk that comes up when it's like, I'm just not good at that, or I can't do that. So to me, it, it, it does lean over into men mental health and quality of life because when people have issues with movement, it usually shows up in other places too. Oh, yeah. Those issues of the movement occupy room in your, your, your psyche and in your daily, daily thoughts. Like it, you only have so much room. And if half of the room is being filled up with pain, you can't, you can't really even accomplish the goals you want to accomplish. You're held back. And then you're, all you can think about is that pain that's in the room. And, and so often I see, you know, your people will have an identity attached to a capability it's part of who they are. Mm -hmm. And then they lose that capability and they, then they don't know who they are. I had a client that they needed a hip replacement and I, I'm not in a position in my scope to diagnose. I, I know what it looks like and I will recommend you go get a consultation so that they can tell you that you need it. Yeah. Um, but I knew she did and I sent her to the best in the area to get a consultation to be told that she did. And she just refused, refused, refused because what it meant was she's not going to be able to wear heels and that's who she is as a person. I'm a person who wears heels and that that's me and my confident and my best. And so it, it, she really had to come to grips with shifting who she was and embracing who she is without wearing heels. And as simple as, and maybe, you know, silly as that sounds, it was everything. That's part of her identity. And so being able to come to grips with that was a huge part of her transformation. Just to, then she got the surgery and she was happy again and was much happier without the pain than losing the heels. <laughs> Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. Indeed, indeed. And I, I really feel like that that's a good space for us. We're going to switch gears a little bit for a quick little moment here. Are you ready? We're going to switch to the speed round. You ready? Great. I'm ready. Okay. Y'all can't see, but he looks ready. <laughs> He, he looks like he's really ready. So the first question is, what are your three favorite songs? Oh, wow. Three favorite songs. Um, Oasis Wonderwall is my favorite song. Wow. Um, 
Um, Ed Sheeran, anything Ed Sheeran. Wow, I, to pick a favorite is really hard. He's he's got a remarkable story himself, and he's a wonderful creative artist. Mm-hmm. Um, third favorite song. You said speed round, and here I am dragging my feet on a third. It's favorite okay, song. and and the great thing yeah. is, I I tell you like I tell my patients, there are actually no right or wrong answers. So I've had variations yeah. where people are like, I can't think of one. Somewhere like I have a favorite artist. I have some people that just say I love music, so I don't have a favorite. Song, I think something so. cello. I mean, I, anything cello, I'm a sucker for. I'm down with that. I I am down with the cello. I'm here for it. My next thing is, what's one free thing that you do for self care? One free thing that I don't pay for. Yep. Or yeah. or it could be, you know, a couple of bucks, you know, but yeah. not not like I went and got a spa at the Saint. I got like a spa day at the Saint Regis. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd say breathing, breathing is free, and it's something that I do on a regular basis. It's um, with intention. You know, it's it could be simple as laying over a big gym ball and just breathing and letting the ribs expand and just okay. finding a posture that's really comfortable and just feeling the breath and slowing the breath down. Um, that's how I go to sleep at night. I have a sort of a two minute breathing routine that I do before I go to bed at night. Really important to me. Do you have any favorite breathing exercise? Yes. I went off script. (laughs) Um, one of my favorite breathing exercises is actually, if you take like a TheraBand, just those elastic bands Mm -hmm. and you tie it around the bottom of the ribs, kind of got a snug, not like a tourniquet, but pretty snug. So you can feel it all around the rib cage. And then you breathe into the band and because you can feel the band on your ribs, you get this um, tactile feedback. So you take a breath in and you're like stretching the band open. And when you exhale, it helps kind of pull your ribs back together. So you get that, that real good information all around your whole rib cage. So when, as you're moving your diaphragm, you get that information back. So that's a really good education for yourself. Even if you are a skilled breather, you might not realize where your gaps are, where your tightnesses are. It helps you kind of push through the tightnesses. See, that's why I ask these questions, y'all. Sometimes I hear stuff I, I'm not familiar with. I had not heard that one yet. I feel like, I feel like when we get off, I'm a go to my little, you know, with the pandemic, we all, and it's like, I ended up with this pile of fitness stuff. So it's all in one spot because I was, y'all, I have not caught the heebie-jeebies yet, knock on wood. So, uh, which means I have not been in the gym. Um, and had a, a whole lot of, I had a Peloton, but then I bought like extra free rates and I already had a TRX. I had all this stuff. Now don't ask me, have I used it all lately, but it's, it's all here, but it makes me want to go to that. I have a bin of stuff and get out of band and, and, and yeah, try this try breathing it. with a, with a band situation. It, takes it a couple just sounds minutes. intriguing. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Cause then when you take it, it off, when you take it off now that restriction has gone also. And so you breathe even deeper without effort because your your you just your ribs can expand freely. It's a cool cool sensation. Well and that's nice also um I've I've not only have I worked with people but my family. Some people do better with kind of tactile sensation and a little bit yeah. more additional sensory input um to make it feel like it's more than just breathing. Um y'all yeah. didn't ask me but my favorite's four four eight. That is my all time fave. <laughs> yeah. It brings yeah. me joy. Yeah. So my next, my last question is what's something that helped get you through the pandemic? Wow. <laughs> um, being on my bike, that was, that was really important to me because um, I, I spent, boy, the better part of the last 15 years traveling the world and teaching. And I would be on a plane, you know, one to four times a month. Okay. And 
at least one or two countries a month. And when, when within 24 hours of everything shutting down, two years of traveling was canceled. Every, like everybody all over the world was like, no more conferences, no more this, no mm-hmm. more speaking. It was just gone. And that was part of what I, what I did is sharing my work with other professionals to help them do better work with their clients. And so um, I got a mountain bike and a really good friend of mine is a really skilled mountain biker. And so um, I took some classes and, and was on the trail a lot. And I'm still on the trail a lot. Um, I do have an indoor bike that I ride as well. That's more like in during the winter because that's not so much I ride. I don't really ride in the winter, but um, that's my meditation. You know, in the woods, on a trail, having to problem solve and navigate and make my body, you know, stay on the bike is always the first rule. But then also just navigate the terrain. It's always changing because even though it's the same trail, it's different. The weather changes the trail. And so you're having to be mindful and present all the time, which is I found just complete meditation. I love all of that. I'm I'm here for it. I mean, you make me want to actually ride outside. Um, I will. I recommend it. I'm gonna do a, a confession, but I'm not gonna sing Usher's confessions. <laughs> um, is that I have not ridden an actual regular bike since I was in high school. I've only oh. ridden stationary bikes. Don't ask me how long ago that was. Yeah, I, I so I do both, and I'll tell you, I love going back and forth because there are things that you can't do on a regular bike that you can do on a stationary bike, and I love how how um, especially like on a Peloton where you have someone guiding you mm-hmm. and changing the settings automatically and having that that challenge um, that you don't really have you don't have to worry about balancing on your bike, and so you can push yourself. Uh, cardiovascularly differently and leg strength differently because you don't have to balance the bike as well. And so, but when I find when I get on the bike, I've got to navigate my whole system. So it's really, I really love going back and forth because it's different skill for each one. Let's get you on a bike. <laughs> I know I've, it's been, I've, I, in my heart of hearts, I know I'm like, I'm way too old to have never been back on a bike. They say you can do it once you've done it before. I used to do it all the time, you know, cause you know, I grew up back in the day where, you ride your bike to McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the Everywhere. things that like, you know. Th- you ride your bike, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, you'd ride your bike to a friend's house, all that good stuff. But um, I need to do it because part of the reason I even got LASIK was so that I have really bad eye allergies. So I got LASIK so I would quit having the issues of the additional irritation of my contacts in my eyes so I could actually spend more time outdoors. So I, yeah. I do lots of walks, but I do need to try. Maybe you might be the one to finally get me on a bike. Don't be mad at me if you've been trying to get me on a bike and then I get on a bike because Trent said get on a bike. <laughs> yeah. I also wear, I wear like, um, I don't usually wear sunglasses because I'm in the woods on the trail a lot of times, but I do wear like a yellow, a yellow lens that just sharpens the colors it oh, makes wow. it easier to see. So I'd recommend that, recommend that too. And also then you have eye protection and a little wind protection from your eyes. But I, I find that really nice to have that, that the yellows make all the greens vibrant in the contrast so that you have a little more skill with what you're looking at when you're navigating the trail. I'm getting all the tips today, y'all. <laughs> I think I feel like I got an exercise consultation, <laughs> how to bike yeah. ride and there make it the best experience. How to see all the colors and, and not jack myself up because I didn't see something. I mean, yeah. what what more could I even ask for? But I'm about to ask for something. Anyway, 
<laughs> so, so Trent, do you have any parting words for the members of Better Nation that are listening in right now? Well, I, I'll, I'll take it back to something I said earlier. I just really hope that people can find a way to believe in their potential. I, I, I know that each of us have such a unique story, and that story is inspiration for other people. And if you've never, if you've never been able to consider that someone else would need to hear it, I'd encourage you to share your story. And when I started sharing my story, because I haven't always shared my story, I kept it private for a very long time. And when I started sharing it, it was really hard because I'm like, why, why would I share this? Like this, this is like, sometimes this is painful and it's emotional and it's hard and, but it's been great healing for me to share the work, but also to hear people feel inspired by it. I feel like it's more of a responsibility and you might not think your story is anything special, but I will guarantee you that somebody needs to hear your story to find some inspiration and to find a way to kind of get some hope into the next phase of their life. I'm here for all of that. So where can the people find you if they want some more Trent, unless you don't want to be found? Yeah, no, like, yeah, I, I would, I would say go to my website, um, fireupyourbrain.com and you can read my whole story there. You can read about how I failed first grade and um, how that was like, you know, a beautiful catalyst for a, a long career um, and uh, see what I'm up to and find, you know, really great ways to get your brain on track. Can I just say how much I love fire up your brain? It's it's <laughs> it's like it's like a cheer or something. It's enthusiasm. It's like has enthusiasm in it. It has like uh, what's the word, y'all? I've had a concussion, so every once in a while it takes me a hot second to find a word. Mm-hmm. I don't know how folks have a whole bunch of concussions. I had one concussion. I'm I do like feel a- like you should have told me that ahead of time because we're going to talk about concussions also because I just put a concussion program together because it's one of the biggest issues that people have is that if you had a concussion or a traumatic brain injury, it informs like your whole life. So you, you, you take as long as you need to talk about it because I, it's important. Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. Mine wasn't bad. I don't know sure. if I've ever told the listeners this story. So y'all all probably know I'm very close with my parents. And I'm one of those people that I do go out with my mom. So I had been to the club with my mom and we were in this little hole in the wall spot because there was a band there that plays a lot of um, covers of like the OJs and the Temptations. So we'd go there to listen to the band. Somebody was with us and asked me to dance, walking across the dance floor. I use dance floor loosely, you know, it's just floor. It's nothing special to the floor. And spontaneously a ceiling fan falls out of the ceiling. It hits me in the head. Wow. Wow. Um, needless to say, my attorney was not great because I should have never had to work again. Yeah. That was not the case. <laughs> um, but I had a concussion. And I don't know how people have a lot of concussions. I had one concussion. And I was fortunate because since I had such a large, such a large vocabulary, that even having word finding difficulties, the only people that could tell I had word finding difficulties were other psychiatrists that I knew. They're sure, like, are you? Because sure. I, I had such a lot big vocabulary, I could usually navigate around it. But I had migraines. Um, this yeah. is when I can do a testimony to acupuncture. The thing that got rid of the migraines was acupuncture. Beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah. and ironically, it was done in the first time I ever had acupuncture was in Toronto. <laughs> Um, but I don't know how people have a whole bunch of them. Cause I'm like, I had one and it wasn't like a super horrible one. Yeah. And one was enough. I'm like, I don't ever want to feel that again. 
Yeah, there's there's very little support for people that have had concussions. Um, once you're cleared by the neurologist, like it's really important you go through this medical process. My daughter had a concussion and we went through this whole thing and she was in the ER for a couple of days and the neurologist is like, she's clear, there's not a brain bleed, so there's nothing that's dangerous. But, you know, she had a long road to recovery before she could look at the screen and she could critically think and she could be in bright lights and all the things that come with that. And that's when, you know, I started seeing more and more and more, you know, yeah, okay, you'll be fine. And chances are you will, like 70% of you will be just fine. It won't be a big deal, but it will take a while. And there's a, there's a long road for a lot of people and it's, it's not well supported. So I think just even talking about it, so people that have had a concussion or know somebody who has, you can start to make this a little more commonplace language around finding support for that because it's, it's hard to find. So and I was, for- I was very fortunate because mine wasn't bad because there was no right. support. It was kind of like I went to the ER. They did scans and stuff to make sure I, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, a brain bleed or something. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, All okay. Done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then it was like the rant, the random PT and stuff I had to do because my back and neck were janky. <laughs> And I was young, so nobody wants to have the janky back and neck when you're in your 20s. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't remember any support around the concussion. Yeah. It was just kind of like, yeah. you're going to be all right, bye. Yeah, yeah, take, exactly. take this, Take this medicine with you that, uh, <laughs> and, and good luck. yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's great that you can be cleared and not having a brain bleed. It's great that you can have images to make sure that you're safe, um, but that you're just ticket right back to the movement gap. That's where you end up in. Like, okay, you're all done, but you're lucky because you, you were able to find acupuncture and that was able to help you. But so many people are still suffering in there in that gap. And, and if you had concussions, you're, you're more likely to get more and you're more likely to have symptoms long after you've recovered. You could have something trigger a migraine that, that really is come from having a concussion in your life. So um, I love that you brought it up. And I think more people should be having a conversation because I think it's, it's important to not feel like you're unseen in that situation. Yeah, I was actually a friend of mine um, was talking about some of the story of her concussion. Her name is Dr. Delicia. She was on an episode a long, long time ago. Um, and talking about kind of how those executive functioning deficits yeah. impacted her for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just very fortunate that, I mean, I'm, I'm regular now. And there was, there was a while where I was like, I didn't want to be anywhere near a ceiling fan though. I was like, I would not have a ceiling fan in my room. Yeah. A little triggering. Right. People, well, and I still <laughs> never will put a ceiling fan on high. I think mm-hmm. I just finally got a year or two ago where I'd even turn the ceiling fan on in my room. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I'm getting older and my nest is psycho. So I, I need to reset it because somehow or another it has learned that it wants to make my house three degrees warmer in the middle of the night. Oh, gosh. Um, which will wake me up sometimes. I don't have yeah, hot flashes yet, but that'll wake me up. Yes, of course. Quietly, that had me thinking at first. I'm like, am I having hot flashes? Like, no, it's 78 degrees at night. Yeah. Not bringing sexy back. <laughs> and then right. I was like, well, the only solution that's consistent is if I turn this fan on and low. But it was a little debate with myself, and probably 80% of the time I just get hot because I'm still not big on having a ceiling fan going and I can't monitor it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't blame you. But, you know, it's one of those stories that it sounds too ridiculous. Like, they're like, a ceiling fan fell on your head? I'm like, 
Yeah. And then they cleaned it up. And before I went to the hospital, everybody was dancing again on the dance floor. Oh, my gosh. Right. Priorities. Let's get back to dancing. I, I know. People were getting their groove uh, on. You know, me getting hit yeah. with the ceiling fan just kind of got in the way. Wow. <laughs> so, so yes, I, I categorize, my, categorize my life a lot of times as... It's either a fairy tale or ridiculous. Like there's right. no middle ground. It's it's either stuff that just sounds super freaking fantastic or so ridiculous. You're like, that really happened? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That that really happened. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's awesome that you recovered and, and I'm sure that's brought some experiences, you know, forward into your own practice and how you're helping your own patients and how you help other people. I, I'm fortunate that I've had a a lot of randomness. So yeah. It, it does benefit the people I work with because I, I've experienced randomness and I've been around people with randomness. So, yeah. you know, I, I know what it's like to be in the, I know what it's like to be a family member in the waiting room and someone's saying that your family member might die because they tried to kill themselves. I know that mm -hmm. too. I've been, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, sure. I, I'm very fortunate. It's like my super, my superpower is empathy. Yeah. Um, it's an exhausting superpower sometimes, but it's yeah, sure. It benefits everybody, uh, but sometimes it's a little extra. But you know, this podcast isn't all about me. But you, did you see how Trent did that? Uh, <laughs> you're on to me, aren't you? I see you. I see you. Yes. Right. <laughs> as as they keep talking about this new Avatar movie coming out, right? <laughs> the people out here know I'm a I'm a sci-fi. I'm a sci-fi person, you know. I've awesome. yeah. I've recently discovered this show C on Apple TV. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I can't wait to start. It's addictive. I don't remember hearing much about it. Yeah. I'm a huge Jason Momoa fan, and I love that kind of sci-fi, almost fantasy. I feel like it's it's helping to stand in the gap now that House of the Dragon is over, even though it's something very different, but it's still there's still this kind of fantasy element but i feel like it's a, a little bit more grounded yeah yeah but it's addictive yeah the trailers look really fun i can't wait i mean it's it's really good <laughs> much better than aquaman um and i love jason momoa but right right <laughs> <laughs> aquaman was really just watching jason momoa <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, for sure but I guess I, I should at some point actually end this podcast episode. So so thank you, Mr. Trent McIntyre, for taking time out of your busy life to share with me and the members of Better Nation. So the first thing is I have to give you a big hearty thank you. Then I have to say thank you to all of you in Better Nation for hopping on and sharing some time with us. But the biggest thing I have to thank you for and congratulate you on is choosing yourself and spending some time here specifically for you. And the great thing is when you fill your own cup and you take care of yourself, it puts you in a better position to help those around you, but to actually have the emotional, mental, and physical energy to do so. So the first thing I have to say is my wrap up is <sighs> don't accept where you are as the best it can get. We've had a lot of conversation today around, around potential belief and the thing that hurts me the most as a human and as a psychiatrist is seeing people accept things that suck as the best it can get, that they accept suboptimal health, they accept suboptimal relationships. It's, it's this acceptance or feeling like this is all 
this is all I'm good for. This this is as good as it's going to get. Or I wasn't, I wasn't put here to be healthy. I wasn't put here to be healthy. And I want to start changing that narrative because you deserve to be better, do better, live better. You deserve a great life. And the time that we sit in the space of believing things can't get better or not believing we deserve for them to get better is time that's simply lost. And there are for so many things, there are resources and people that can help. And what hurts me the most is seeing things that people could actually have helped you with to get you to actually be able to enjoy your life. And people don't access them because they either don't feel they're available and they're not aware. They don't feel like they deserve it or they believe they can't get better no matter who helps them. So my final thought is don't accept janky as your reality. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's always a version of better. I literally went to a funeral yesterday. Top two of the most inspirational funerals I've been to. It's very rare you go to a funeral and you're like, this was just extremely inspirational. This was the most inspirational funeral. Tied, tied. Because there's one other one that was really inspirational. Um, and the person actually had died from breast cancer. But at the end of the day, when you heard everybody talk about how she changed and touched people's lives, even as she was going through a struggle with cancer, and even shortly up to the time of her death, but she was able to find mental space to still have some level of quality of life. To me, that shows that there's there's always capacity for better. So I, I want you to hold on to that, grab it, and and reach out to whoever you need to reach out to to get that better. Because you know one of the better seven is support. So before I, I feel like I've been going on a million tangents at the end of this, but that just means I'm just having such a good time with Mr. Trent of the McIntyre. <laughs> um, is if you love what you heard, do me a favor, please follow or subscribe. It makes a huge difference the more followers we have. All of you may not have podcasts, but every follower matters. All followers matter. Um, the next thing is, is if you like what you heard, please um, share. Don't let this be the best kept secret. There are people out here that need this information. So please share. You know, you got your Lyft driver, your Uber driver, the check-in lady at the at the grocery store, your friends, family, coworkers, the person you bump into the elevator. You have multiple opportunities. Take them. Thank you so much. The last thing is also, if you like what you heard, please rate or review. Actually, rate and review. That would make me feel real good. But five stars, you know, I'm going to be like that Uber driver. So all I have to say today is I just appreciate you. I'm going to send some love out to all of y'all. Take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Take your right hand, put it on your left arm. Give yourself a big squeeze unless you're driving. No car accidents that you're blaming on Dr. Erica. And you know how to find me. So until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, 
Do better. Live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin-Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin-Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.